last Sunday, one of the greatest to ever play the game of basketball um, was killed in a helicopter crash along with his daughter and some teammates and their families and the pilot. Magic Johnson called Kobe Bryant the greatest Laker of all time. 18-time All-Star, five-time NBA champion. Kobe was a legendary talent on the court. He was also a loving father, a husband, a mentor, a coach, and an icon in the city of Los Angeles. Kobe was respected for his abilities and for his work ethic. And when pretty much anyone, I'll say under the age of 50, shoots a basketball or just throws up a balled up piece of paper in the trash, they don't say Jordan, they don't say LeBron, they say Kobe. Although he was an imperfect man who made mistakes in life. If you want to be a great basketball player, Kobe Bryant is a great player to emulate. Last week as we studied the book of Philippians, we were given a challenge by the word of God. If Jesus has made any difference to me, if Jesus has made any difference in my life, it's time for my life to reflect the Savior that I believe in. It's time for me to live a life of humility and a life of service. When we live in a way that emulates Christ, we are equipped to carry out the mission of God, to be the body of Christ, to be the ones who are striving together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, today we carry on with that and we look at the life of Jesus, the one who we emulate. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we start off this passage in Philippians 2.5. And Philippians 2.5 says again, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, maybe I'm more susceptible to this than most other people, or at least some other people, but it seems that when we spend a lot of time with someone, uh, we tend to pick up certain habits or ways of speaking from one another. Now, this is especially true when you spend time with someone who you look up to. And I would say the more time that we spend with Jesus, the more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend reading his word, the more our lives will naturally reflect Jesus Christ. But here we're commanded, to not just, we're commanded to not just let it happen naturally, but to every day make the decision to model our lives after Christ, to have the same mindset of Christ. When it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, this is not like a one and done, you're finished, you've completed it. 
the, the verb tense here is this present active imperative, which means keep doing this thing. Always, repeatedly, have the mindset of Jesus Christ. Make that decision. Well, then Philippians 2.6 2, goes on to describe who Jesus is. Philippians 2.6 says, who being in very nature God. So here when we start off with describing who is this Jesus we're talking about, we get right into the divinity of Christ. And that was one of the big questions back in the early days, and it still is even a question today, is was Jesus just a great man? Was he just a great teacher? Or was he and is he God incarnate, God in human form? Now the original Greek language there and many translations will say that Jesus was in the form of God. Now generally if I hear that something is in the form of something, it sounds rather temporary to me, like, like water when it's frozen is in the form of ice or when it is um, in vapor, well it's, it's, it's water vapor, it looks like clouds and things like that. But form is not physical appearance, form is not this temporary role that you fill. The form that it's talking about here refers to his deepest being, his very essence. It is the character of God. So what it's saying here is down to his very core, in his true nature, Jesus is fully God. Well, if we skip forward a few verses, we see more about who this Jesus is, more about his identity. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And by the way, when it says the name that is above every name, what a number of commentators say, people much smarter than me say, is what he might be referring to here is that Jesus is Yahweh. Like the name above every name. The name that, that, that Jewish people will not even utter because it is so holy. The name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge or every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The message of six through 11, and especially the message of nine through 11, leaves no doubt about the identity of Jesus. He's not just a messenger, he's not just a prophet, he's not just a miracle worker. He is God, he is Yahweh. He is worthy of worship. He is Christ and he is Lord. Well, after Paul lays this foundation, as God lays this foundation about who Jesus is, about his nature and power, we then dive into his character and how he used the fact that he has the power of God. He is the power of God. How he used the power that he had. So carrying on, carrying on from where we left off before, we were in, in 2.6, we'll go back to Philippians 2.6. It says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Another way of putting it is that he didn't cling to this idea of equality with God. He did not grasp it. He knew his identity, he knew his position, he knew all the rights and the powers that came along with it. It was all rightfully his. We talk about rights that we have. Well, I mean, we talk about our, our, our God-given rights. Well, the ultimate form of that, Jesus knew the exact rights that he had, but he gave it up. Philippians 2.7 says, rather, instead, 
He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Instead of clinging to his power and position, he made himself nothing. Another way of saying it is that he emptied himself. He gave up the privileges that he had. Now, it's important here to remember that, that Jesus did not give up who he was. He did not cease to be God. It's not like he came and, and he put his godness on hold while he came down to earth to be with us. He did not cease to be God when he became fully human. But he humbled himself. He set aside his rights and his entitlements. Well, the next we're told that he took the nature of a servant, even a slave, and in, in, in so doing, in many ways, he kind of went from the highest mountaintop, right? You have the ultimate, this is God we're talking about. He went from the highest mountaintop down to the lowest because not only did he become a human, but he became a servant, he became a slave. Now, a king is sovereign, right? That's kind of the idea. The king is sovereign and no one is in charge of the king. Well, Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, so he is the ultimate, the top, the very peak but he became a servant, he became a slave. And a slave is, is not just someone who, who takes on this job, but a slave is someone with no rights. A slave is someone who serves at the will of somebody else. This is what Jesus chose to do. And we see King Jesus as a humble servant on the night of the Last Supper, if you remember that, the night before he was arrested and he shared this meal with his disciples, one of the things that he did, it says that he showed the full extent of his love when he washed their feet. He even washed the feet of Peter, who would deny him. He washed the feet of Judas, who would betray him. Well, then Philippians 2.8 takes it even further. So we've got highest mountaintop Jesus, and then he becomes human, and then he becomes a slave. And then it says... Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. From the very first moment to the very last moment, Jesus was obedient to the Father. He was obedient even to the point of death. And not only that, death on a cross. And cross, if you remember, was ultimate humiliation. It wasn't just, well, you know, that's kind of the way they did executions and they, that's how they handled things. No, that was the ultimate humiliation. The holy and almighty God butchered like the worst criminal. Now Jesus could have stopped the whole thing up to the very last second. He could have stopped everything. When people are saying, oh, if you're so great, why don't you get down off the cross and why don't you get all of us down? Oh, he could have done that. He absolutely had the power he absolutely had the right to do that, had the right to remove Herod and Pontius Pilate. He wouldn't just limp down from the cross. He could leap down and take the throne. But instead, he laid it all aside. Out of obedience to his father and out of sacrificial love for you and for me. So if you notice the way that we kind of laid out our study today, our sermon today, is we broke it down into two sections, right? So you have the section that is about who is this Jesus, and then you have the section about what did Jesus do? Half of it revealed his identity, that he is God, he is Lord, he is a name above all names. The other half shows how he laid it all aside to serve us in humility. But it's important to realize that these two separate parts are not really separate. 
They are completely indivisible. Like we talked about in the Pledge of Allegiance, they are indivisible, they are inseparable. These things are two completely inherently tied together. See, Jesus didn't empty himself and become a servant in spite of his nature. Jesus became the lowest servant because of his nature. Jesus' divine character was expressed in unselfish obedience to God. And this wasn't, again, like we are called every day over and over again to model our lives after Christ, to live in, in, in a Christ-like way. Jesus, in an ongoing way, over and over and over again, humbled himself. He set aside his own glory. And in so doing, he revealed his nature and exactly what kind of God we worship. There's a, a Christmas song. It's not really a Christmas carol, but, but there's a Christmas song that, I'm trying to remember if we've ever sung it here before, but it's, but it's How Many Kings is what the song is called. And it, would, it was on the radio sometimes as well. And it talks about how many kings would step down from their throne. And it's this, it's this great image of what Christmas is about and what the life of Jesus is about. Of we look at the kings that we have in this world and how many kings would humble themselves and step down to give their lives for us. You know, we've seen it, you know, there's that, uh, what's that show called? Um, Undercover Boss, you know, where they step down for a time and they look like the people for a little bit, but then they go back to the big fancy houses. Jesus revealed his nature and what kind of God we worship. Like him, our true Christian character is expressed in placing the needs of others ahead of our own and in obedience to God's word. Let's think again about where this letter was sent. The church of the, the Philippians, the city of Philippi. If you remember, Philippi was an important Roman colony and, and it, was, it was in modern day Greece, what we would know as Greece now, but it was this very important colony and it was peopled uh, largely by former Roman soldiers. So it was a big kind of hotbed of, of Roman control. Uh, remember they had the government there was set up kind of like Rome and the, and the city was set up like Rome. So it was, it was a very Roman city. Well, question for you, who was the most important person in the city of Philippi and, and in the whole Roman Empire? Who was the most important person? Caesar, right? Okay, so Caesar is the most important person in the whole Roman Empire, including Philippi. And does anybody remember who was the, the Caesar in 62 AD when this was probably written? Anybody remember who that may have been? It, it was not Augustus, it was Nero. And Nero was the guy where you, ugh, okay? Nero was a bad guy. He was infamous. And what we most know him for in the Christian church is we had, he had this widespread persecution of Christians. That's when persecution of Christians went from like some people were doing it and, you know, Pilate did some and, and, and Paul was doing some, but when it went like global, this is when the Roman emperor personally took a stake in persecuting Christians. He tortured them, he killed them, he burned them at the stake. But the truth is, Nero's evil behavior and abuse of power was not limited to his treatment of Christians. Politically, he would kill any threats to his power. Anybody who came up, he would have them poisoned, he would have them taken out by somebody else, including his own mother. His mother at one point had been helping him, she kind of helped him get into the throne because it wasn't really rightfully his. 
but she helped him get in there and then she helped him to remove threats, but then she became a threat and he had her killed as well. Well, when you look at Nero's nighttime behavior, the most polite word to describe it would be carousing. Yeah. Highly intoxicated, roaming the streets with a pack of friends, attacking and taking advantage of people in every way possible, even murder. They would find somebody and they'd displease them, so they would just kill them. He even murdered his own third wife who was pregnant in an argument. To Nero, people were objects to be used for his pleasure and for his advancement. He clung tightly to the power that he had and he would do virtually anything to gain more. Well, it's hard to find two people more different than Nero and Jesus. The contrast between the two is stark. While Nero honored himself and demanded that others do the same, Jesus sought to honor God and deflect glory away from himself. As Nero stole and killed to gain power, Jesus surrendered what was rightfully his in order to bless other people. Nero claimed to be a God and wanted everyone to know it. Jesus truly is God and wanted almost no one to know it. Jesus knew his position but didn't cling to it. He used his position to glorify glorify God and to bless us. So Nero is this obvious villain, right? I mean, bad in almost every way that you can imagine. Murdering Christians, eliminating threats, utter disregard for human life. However, Nero is an extreme example of depravity and lust for power His abuse of power and influence for personal gain is more of a human problem than a dictator problem or a Nero problem. We see it in our world today. I want to show you a picture of somebody. This first picture is Reese Witherspoon. I know, kind of a change to go from Nero to Reese Witherspoon. I like her acting. She's in a lot of great things that I like. Um, But A-list Hollywood actress. April 2013 in Atlanta... She was a passenger in a car that her husband was driving, and they were both intoxicated. They get pulled over, her husband is in handcuffs, and she decides to speak up to the arresting officers. Do you know my name? You're about to find out who I am. You're about to be on national news. Shockingly, it didn't work, Um, and not only was her husband arrested, but she was arrested. Uh, for disorderly conduct. So we can see a picture of of Reese's mugshot there, not looking too awful pleased. Now, the good thing about Reese is that later on, she was contrite. I I read some things, saw some things of her, and it did seem to be a genuine thing. She was apologetic. She says, I was wrong. I'm embarrassed by my behavior. I appreciate law enforcement, all all that kind of stuff. So it was good to see somebody who goes, I blew it. And for me, personally, that's one of those things that I respect greatly in, whether it's a celebrity or a politician, when someone says, I was wrong, flat out, I'm sorry. Well, Reese is far from the only celebrity to use some form of, do you know who I am? David Hasselhoff, Tara Reid, Mike Tyson, Alec Baldwin, the list goes on and on. Tyler, do we have a picture of them? There we go. And there's a lot of people. I just narrowed it down to four of them that were some of the 
kind of funnier stories of, of people who did that. Well, our next example is not a celebrity in that way. Our next example is a woman named Karen Turner. Karen Turner is a lawyer and a lobbyist. And in March of 2018, in the city of Tenafly, New Jersey, her 18-year-old daughter was a passenger in a vehicle with a number of college students, who we find out later were from MIT and Yale. And they were pulled over. Well, their vehicle was going to be impounded because the driver didn't have his insurance card and a number of other things that were, that were going on. So the vehicle was going to be impounded, so they needed a ride home, and they were on the side of, I guess, the turnpike there in New Jersey, waiting for mom to come and pick them up. Well, she comes up and she says, uh, hi, I'm Karen Turner, I'm a friend of the mayor, and I want to know why this vehicle was pulled over. Well, when she rolls up in that way, the, the officer was less um, willing to give her information, said, well, you can go and you can talk to the driver about what happened. And then he calls her Miss, and she says, don't call me Miss, I'm Commissioner, thank you. Now, when she said she was Commissioner, she was very serious. She was a Commissioner, of the New York and New Jersey Port Authority, also happened to be the chair of the Ethics Committee. Well, the video went viral. I watched most of it. It's like a 25-minute video of her ranting and raving and throwing her weight around. She said, I'll be talking to the mayor and I'll be talking to the chief of police. Well, the chief of police did hear what happened and the chief of police commended his officers for the way that they handled themselves. And Karen Turner, Karen Turner resigned her position as commissioner. She was later censured and fined by the Ethics Commission, which she formally chaired. And then she did apologize, sort of. I regret my tone and my off-color language. However, at no, point, at no point did I violate the Port Authority's Code of Ethics or ask for special treatment. I encourage the Tenafly Police Department to review best practices with respect to tone and de-escalation so incidents like this do not recur. Do you know who I am? Well, grasping at power and influence is not limited to celebrities and politicians. Our final example is this man, Jeff Kempton. In June of 2016, this pastor was interviewing with a variety of churches. One of those phone interviews um, happened and <laughs> Jeff realized at one point that the, the senior pastor of the church that he was interviewing with, um, we had, they uh, had mutual friends. That the pastor that Jeff grew up with, who was Jeff's pastor for a number of years, um, used to work with the senior pastor of that church there. Well, what do you do? You, you try and make those connections. And Jeff decided to, in order to get a leg up, he would nonchalantly mention the name of the other pastor. Well, you know, when, when I was with Pastor Dan, and when Pastor Dan did this, and nonchalantly about four or five times, <laughs> Jeff dropped that name. Well, he spent so much time dropping names, came across like a shallow idiot, and blew the interview. It said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And while I think there is some truth to that, I don't think that it's entirely accurate. I would say instead, power reveals and amplifies character. Jesus had absolute and has absolute power throughout the entirety of history. But instead of being corrupted by it, he humbled himself.
He used it to sacrifice himself and he used it to reveal the grace of God. The passage we've studied today, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, details the divinity of Christ. The only one who is worthy of all worship and glory. When Jesus took on flesh, he didn't set all of that aside. In emptying himself, in emptying himself of his privileges, of stepping down from that throne and becoming a human servant, he displayed his true character. He displayed the true nature of God and what divine power looks like. Every year around October or so, we start talking about stewardship. And stewardship comes up in the church a lot when we talk about money. Stewardship is the idea that all the resources that we have, everything that we have, really belongs to God and God has called us to be good stewards of that and to use those things for his glory and for his purposes. He has entrusted these things to us and expects us to use them to bless other people and to do his work. Well, I would say that power and influence are resources just like money is. And the way that we use the power and the influence that we have speaks a lot about our character and how much we reflect Jesus. I remember talking about this kind of idea with, with youth group kids and I was talking to kids who were in sixth grades and if there's any, in sixth grade, if there's ever anybody who feels they have absolutely no power and absolutely no influence, it's a sixth grader, right? But it's not true. They have power, they have influence, they have siblings, they have friends, they have other people in their lives who they have some form of influence over. They know somebody, they have this power that they don't even realize. Every one of us has some amount of power and influence. The question is what are we going to do with it? Will I be like Nero? Will I abuse the power that I have? Will I use it selfishly? Taking advantage of other people, scratching and stealing to get more of it? Or will I be more like Christ? Will I set aside my privileges? Will I set aside my rights? Will I place others ahead of myself? Will I defend the powerless? And will I do everything unselfishly, completely, utterly for the glory of God? Let's pray. Jesus, you are God Almighty. You were and are on the throne. You are the ultimate of everything. But you stepped down. You came to be with us and then you came to give your life for us. You let people yell at you. You let people lie about you. You let people misunderstand who you were and treat you terribly. You let people spit on you and slap you and call you a liar because of your love for us, because of your obedience to the Father. Lord, we get so caught up in making sure that everybody knows who we are and the rights that we have that we take our eyes off of you. Just worry about ourselves. Father, help us to submit ourselves to your will, to be obedient to you, to study your words, not just know your word, but to follow your word. Lord, help us to look at the people around us, the people who are struggling, the people who are suffering. Help us to serve them, help us to love them the way that your son loves us, the way that you love us, the way that your spirit loves us. Lord, we know that we cannot do this on our own. We know that we try and and we fail and we stumble and we misuse people and we act like idiots sometimes. 
But Lord, you do not give up on us. And you've given us your spirit to fill us, to sanctify us, to make us more like you. Jesus, help us every day to not just assume we're becoming more like you, but to look to you, to read your word, to model our lives and our hearts and our minds after you. Jesus, thank you for the way that you look at me. Thank you for the love that you have for me. In spite of my flaws, in spite of my failures, in spite of the way that I fail to look at people through your eyes, you continue to love me. Lord, help us to love in the way that you love. Help us to serve in the way that you serve. Jesus, we thank you for your gift. We thank you for life. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.